This is an ABC podcast. So, Norman, last week you pitched a podcast idea to us of KneeCast based on your own experience with a dodgy knee and we got such a big response uh, on it, getting all sorts of, don't you, you use a walking stick, don't limp, do this, do that, do your exercises. Are you doing your exercises? I am. Take any. I tell you, the hardest one is your buttocks. <laughs> Strengthen your buttocks is really hard. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. I've never really thought about my buttocks before in terms of strength, but you know, it's You're tough. doing squats and deadlifts in the gym? I'm doing, what do they call it? The Romanian deadlift? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do okay. some of those times sometimes uh, too. That's good for your buttocks, I'm told. <laughs> Next week, I'll give you an update on my hammies. We should be but- buttocks cast. No, no, let's keep on going with CoronaCast, a show all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan, and it's Wednesday the 10th of August 2022. And we've been hearing so much about Omicron variant B5, the sort of the biggest B, I suppose, that we've been dealing with recently. And we saw a big peak to this wave through the middle of winter here in Australia. It's peaking other other places in the world as well, though. It's not just seasonal. But we are starting to see that tail off a bit it's still only August, though, so is this a little lull or are we maybe on the downward curve of the B5 wave? Well, we probably are on the downward curve. It's always hard to pick the peak, but the peak was probably just before our last corona cast. So we time it well. We do time it well, and, um, and it seems fairly convincing. New South Wales is, a, well, you know, just by the time you listen to this chronocast, that may have turned the corner. But New South Wales, interestingly, on a daily case rate, at least up until the weekend, was 50% higher as a percentage of population in terms of their daily cases than the rest of Australia. So what could be behind that? It could be that um, New South Wales people are better at getting tested, unlikely, but it's possible. Remember, we're not testing systematically the way we did at the, uh, at the height of the pandemic in 2020-2021, and we're not doing it with PCR. So it's hard to know, but there may be more testing going on. It may be behaviour. There are fewer people wearing masks indoors than other states, or it may be just the way the virus is circulating. It's, it's almost impossible to tell. There could be a variety of reasons for it. I mean, we know that these waves do tail off uh, after a while. They're called waves for a reason. It doesn't mean that the virus has gone away completely. It's not unexpected that it would tail off at some stage, but we're thinking that now is the time. I think so. And when you look at the aggregate seven-day average for Australia, it really is quite impressive the way it is going down. What about deaths? Well, deaths um, have been running quite high and the running average at least when we're recording this, is around about 60 to 70 deaths per day. That does look as if there's a turnaround in deaths, and you'd expect that with a delay in the peak. So the peak was about eight or nine days ago. You would expect the turnaround in deaths probably to be two or three weeks after that. But there is a bit of a turnaround at the moment, so hopefully they are going to continue going down. Okay, so if we are waving bye-bye to the B5 wave, what's next? Is this the calm before BA6 or Centurion or some other terrifying new variant we haven't even considered yet? Well, as we've seen, but it could change, there's nothing biological, ter- so there's nothing terribly biological about it, is that we've seen a new variant every six months. And as we predicted on CoronaCast, B4, 5, it's now B, really B5, is acting as if it's a new variant even though it's a subvariant of Omicron. Well, 2.75 is the one they're talking about, which is still a subvariant of Omicron. And um, it's a bit more infectious. Well, I say infectious, it's a bit more immune evasive. 
maybe more contagious in its own right, probably not more virulent. Interestingly, the, the mutations are very complicated. It looks as though 2.75 is more susceptible than other Omicrons to the monoclonal sotrovimab, which is used therapeutically. In terms of helping people get better more quickly? Instead of helping particularly in hospital, that's right. And the, so it's not one of the antivirals, it's, an, it's a monoclonal. It's ta- it seems to be tailing off in India, mostly noticed in India, but around the world. So it's, un- it's unclear whether 2.75 will take over. I don't think it's one that one would lose sleep over. So the next one could be another variant of Omicron. It seems to be producing a lot of mutations, this family of um, subvariants. Or it could be a new one entirely. Or maybe there won't be any at all. Let's hope. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? So how are we faring in terms of vaccination rates? We had very high levels of first and second doses. What about third doses and fourth doses? Well, if you go to the Commonwealth data on this, um, 96% of people eligible over the age of 16 have had two doses. But seven, only 71% have had uh, three doses who are eligible. And that means 5 million Australians who are eligible for a third dose haven't had it, which means they're under under immunised, probably seriously under immunised. And with fourth doses, it's it ranges between 30 and 40%. But of course, you can't have your fourth dose until you've had your third dose. It's kind of a catch. <laughs> Indeed. So it's serious. People need to get their third doses. And if they're eligible, get their fourth. So can we talk about how severe of the disease BA5 causes. I mean, I know we just said that we're basically bidding it farewell. Some of some of the way the severe disease manifests is whether or not you're fully vaccinated and you've just said that a lot of us aren't. But inherently, how does it compare to other variants? Well, the epidemiological data are not entirely clear. There has been a lab study, which has not been peer-reviewed, which has come out of Japan, where they've got lab models in both hamsters and in the test tube to look at how um, likely it is that these subvariants disrupt the surface of the uh, of the lung and, um, and and blood vessels and their conclusion from that is that BA5 and this contradicts something we've been saying a bit on coronacast so we have to actually correct that is they think that uh, BA5 has lower ability to cause disease than the ancestral variant. We've been saying, based on early data, that the uh, the ability to cause disease is the same as the ancestral strain, the Wuhan strain. But in fact, they're saying here, based on this laboratory data, that it's uh, lower pathology potential. But it does have more ability to cause damage than BA1 and BA2. Oh, okay. So it's sort of in the, in the middle there. It's worse in terms of inflammation and disruption to the lung tissue in the lab than BA1, BA2, but still low when you compare it historically to Wuhan and presumably by inference Delta, although they didn't look at Delta in this study. Well, Norman, people continue to send in questions and comments to us via abc.net.au slash coronacast. And I thought it'd be good to get to a couple of them today. One of them is from Darren, who's asking about how best to use a rapid antigen test. He's saying rats swab the nose. I assume that's because it's too hard to swab the lungs. Where does the virus actually replicate? Only in the lungs or in the nose too? And what's the implication on rat accuracy for someone who's a mouth breather? I think he's saying if it's only coming from your lungs and you're not breathing through your nose, are you going to find it there? Well, it comes in through the nose, goes into the lungs and replicates there. And there is some evidence that the rat test is more accurate when you swab the back of the throat, but it's hard 
for you to for people often to really effectively swab the back of the throat. But they, we've spoken about this on Coronacast before. There is a bit of evidence that it's more accurate if you swab the back of the throat, and that's presumably because of exactly what Darren's talking about: is that the virus does tend to replicate below the vocal cords in the in the lungs and the bronchial tree, and therefore more likely to be up there in the throat than in the nose. I'm a natural mouth breather because I've got I've got a septum problem in my nose, and um, I've tested positive on two occasions. Well, there you go. Another question about where the virus goes in your body is from Finton, who's saying, is the coronavirus caught by swallowing air into our stomach and then breathing air into our lungs when air passes through our nose? And is wondering whether breathing through our mouth only behind a mask would provide better protection. Can you bypass coronavirus by only breathing through your mouth? I think we're going to have to ask a didgeridoo player to, to answer this question. Look, <laughs> but seriously, um, you, you, you don't need to overcomplicate this. You catch it by it coming in through your nose and mouth, depending on where you breathe it in. It goes into your lungs, it replicates, and that's how you catch it. There is some evidence that you can catch it via your gastrointestinal tract, um, which we talked about early on, and we did talk about whether farting spreads the virus, but luckily you've usually got a mask on your bum. And the uh, percentage caught through an infected surface, my understanding is that it's 1% or 2%. It's actually quite rare. So in terms of uh, getting it through a surface. And then a question from Annabelle saying, of the people who catch coronavirus, how many are asymptomatic? Because someone told her recently they'd been really sick with it and they said, you'll know if you've had COVID. She's going, but will I? How will I know what symptoms will will help me to know that I've definitely had COVID and not a different respiratory virus? Well, by definition, if it's asymptomatic, you won't know. And it's really, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And again, as testing has become less systematic, it's really hard to know. An early study into Omicron at the beginning of the year suggested that it could be 16 or 17 percent are asymptomatic. I can only speak from my own experience. I wouldn't have known if it was COVID if I hadn't tested. I just had a rubbish head cold and felt tired. I've felt like that a million times before. Yeah, but that's not asymptomatic. That's symptomatic. What you know? What if you've just been bouncing around feeling great, no problems at all? Mm, that's true. Oh, well, if you've got any questions or comments, you can let us know by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. Or send it into Necast and we'll answer those too. We'll see you next time. See you then. 